What's up, Price Bond Nation? It's Ben here, and I wanted to give you a little bit of a snippet before you jump into this podcast of what you're about to listen to. So in 2021, I was fortunate enough to be able to fly out to Supply Side West, which we hadn't been to since 2019. So obviously, we showed up really eager to learn a lot, and I was fortunate enough to be able to sit down with Sarah Perez-Ajalvo, the Director of Research and Development for Nutrition 21. Sarah designs the studies that go about providing the data that we are so excited to talk about these days. So strap in and check out the way that Sarah talks about the collaborations between sales, marketing, research, and science so that they can provide ingredients that are both relevant and helpful, but also backed by really great human data. You can get all of the Nutrition 21 news at pricewell.com slash nutrition21 if you're curious about anything coming out soon. Thanks so much for listening and have a good one. We're at Supply Side West 2021. It's been two years since we've been here last. Today, we are with Sarah. Sarah, what's your last name? I'm Perez sorry. Perez Ajalvo. Okay. Yeah. I was just told we were podcasting with Sarah. So your actual title is... Director, Director of R&D at Nutrition 21. Cool. So you've been here seven years, you said? Yeah, just over seven years. So you've had a lot of fun. I, your, your ingredients are fun. Like I, I yeah. like to say that, you know what I mean? Um, we're in sports nutrition. How did you find your way? Like, like, where did you come from? How did you find your way to this such a small industry? Yeah, it's a really good question. I studied biology at Wesleyan University in Connecticut. Cool. Um, and I love science. You know, I'm really interested in health and nutrition specifically. But I didn't want to go to med school. And I worked in a lab <laughs> for a little while, and it wasn't my thing. You know, yeah. I so appreciate people who work in labs. They have to be so dedicated. I'm so yeah. grateful to them. But it wasn't what I wanted to do. They're the reason we have this data, yes, right? <laughs> exactly. They're the reason we have, you know, so many things. But I wanted to be in science, but not be in a lab. Okay. And this was a perfect fit for me to be able to run clinical studies, work with data, but cool. not actually doing the actual lab work. I love, I love that you have a lot of passion in that. But you're also very specific about what you don't want to be doing. <laughs> yeah. But it seems like you found you a really great spot. Yeah, I did. So in seven years, what are the ingredients, like, like seven years ago, what ingredients were the, the focus for Nutrition one? Yeah, when I joined, nitrosagene. Okay. Yep, so cool. that was, we had that ingredient, we had patents on it, and we had one study. A okay. pharmacokinetic study, but when I joined, we had a lot of money we wanted to invest in research, Good. and we ran three studies on it back like at the same time. Awesome. Yeah. So one of the things we love about Nutrition 21 is just the quality of data that you guys produce. You really don't cut any corners with this. I, I'm, you know, which is, there's always criticism that someone can give, but yeah. you guys offer amazing human data. Um, and it's always specific to the crowd that you're marketing the product to. Yeah. Right. And I'm sure like, like you're not a marketing person, but you also recognize the importance of the usage of the data. So we were just talking before we started recording about the difference between nitrosagene and uh, new level or, um, velocitol and the other uses of, uh, chromium and amylopectin and stuff like that. Yeah. So when you, what's what's your role in identifying the benefits and kind of like where that data goes? Yeah, so I manage our clinical studies, the whole program really. Okay, cool. But we work really closely with marketing, with sales, 
to see what would be interesting for them to sell. What are they? What do they yeah. want to be able to say about our ingredients? You okay. know, and of course, you can always do more research. There's always more things you can look at. Sure. But I feel really grateful at Nutrition Twenty One because they really fund our research. Like yeah. we're a well-funded research and R and D department. So whenever we want to study things, we basically can, which yeah. is great. It's. I think people are. I don't. I, I, at least I like. I'm inspired by the con, the uh, the data. So much so, like in the industry, uh, two years ago at Supply Side 2019, the University of uh, Nebraska, Arkansas. Yeah, Arkansas. People were running a nitrosgene study without even you guys yeah. even noticing. It was kind of funny. Yeah. It ended up being really great data. Yeah. Like it was um, a great control uh, between citrulline malate and nitrosgene. Um, when you say that you manage the data for this stuff, are you? You know, you're told, hey, we need a nitrosogene study, and we're looking to find out what it does in this area. And I, I'm assuming you then design that study. Are you, so you're told kind of what they're looking for in terms of the scope and the metrics? Yeah, it's more collaborative than that. You okay. know, the R&D department has a lot of input on saying nitrosogene, we think it could have benefits in these areas. We know it's working through these mechanisms. These are the areas we could go cool. into, and we think we could have good results. But what do you, you know, what direction do we want to take it? So we have a lot of strategy meetings where we talk about all the possibilities, um, and we decide together kind of what we want, what road we want to go down. Yeah, I think you can see that collaborative effect because I'm, I'm sure like the sales team always wants, you know, data that will help yeah. them sell it. Of course, of course, absolutely. But we were talking about the evolution of nitrosine to new level, yeah. And you were talking about, I th I'm assuming it came from the study where the cognitive. Uh, flexibility was that what was it yeah, that you so found cognitive on nitrosogen? function so nitrosogenes are pre-workout ingredient boosts nitric oxide blood flow uh, muscle pump muscle recovery but whenever we run a clinical study we always like to study as much as possible because you never know what sure. you're gonna find if you're investing hundreds of thousands of dollars into a study you want to get a lot for what sure. you're doing so we looked at cognitive function and we weren't expecting anything but we saw that it significantly boosted cognitive function within 15 minutes, much more than placebo, um, and we were surprised by that, and we thought that this is great for nitrosogene as a pre-workout, but we liked it so much that we made another ingredient, new level, right. that we focused on gamers. We added additional inositol, and we studied it in gamer populations. So, how did that, how did you find that cognitive uh, function, like, were you guys just kind of like looking at the mechanisms and you're like, hey, maybe there's some cerebral blood flow here? Or was there a study that hinted to it that then took you there? How did that happen? Yeah, it was one of the earliest studies with nitrosogene where we were looking at a bunch of different efficacy endpoints. And one of our consultants, we work with a lot of different experts in the field, sure. um, just suggested we throw in a trail making test that measures cognitive function. And later we learned that nitrosogene, it works with increasing nitric oxide, blood flow, and delivery of oxygen and nutrients to your muscles, but also to your brain. Right. You know, your brain is constantly getting fed oxygen and nutrients. So um, that's why we think we see such a strong effect with nitrosogene. It's a non-stimulant, you know, right. it does increase energy but without any caffeine, no crash, no jitters but somehow it's really increasing your energy and your focus. And it has a long-lasting effect, too. I believe uh, the blood flow claim is up to six hours post-workout, or t 
total, including yeah. the workout. So that, I mean, you probably say New Level has a similar effect. I don't know if that's a backable yeah. claim. Yeah, the, so the bioavailability curve for the arginine and nitrosogene is up to six hours post-dose. So could you... Could you claim that that, <laughs> this is a tough question because regulatory <laughs> isn't here, uh, but the, the, the cognitive boosting effects as well last that time. How long has the, the, the how long have you studied that cognitive effect? We've studied it specifically about three hours post-dose. Okay. We haven't done six hours exactly, but what we've done with new level where we really dig into the cognitive data is we have um, subjects take it before taking new level, then after, like 15 minutes after, and then we have them play a video game for an hour to mentally fatigue them, and then we have them take a, tests again. So it ends up being up to two, three hours post-dose, okay. and we do see significant effects at that time. So you're testing, causing that fatigue, and testing them again. But that, 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 that's funny, because the, the time that you're causing that fatigue, you're using, the, the fatigue inducer is really what the product is kind of pointed at, video yeah. games. Did you pull any information from the video games during that time? We did. We looked at performance, and it was too variable because we let the participants play different games. Sure. So we let them play whatever they were most liked playing in any strategy game, sure. Fortnite, Call of Duty. So we didn't see any overall effect because it was too variable, but okay. that might be the next direction, you know, for future right. studies, definitely. So um, I was down at ISSN when you guys kind of presented, I think, the poster for the newest study of New Level. Uh, New Level is kind of, I'm assuming, really your focus right now, uh, mm -hmm. for the most part. That study was just... Uh, Published, I think. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah it was, just it, published. Can you tell us a little bit about that study? Because we've done a little bit about it, but I'm excited yeah. to hear from you. Yeah, so this is the second double blind placebo controlled study in gamers, and we tested new level in different cognitive function games. So, Sternberg okay. test, uh, which measures reaction time and working right. memory specifically, and we saw that it significantly improves those endpoints, which, you know, we already know that it improves energy, cognitive function, and accuracy and reaction time, but this really strengthened the reaction time and working right. memory. So now we know you're fast, but you're also accurate while you're being really fast. Cool. Yeah. It's a. It's kind of like a really fun new avenue because we're so... Um, and we're so talking about these claims of like skin splitting pumps is always the you know the cringy mm. stereotypical mm -hmm. claim. But now we're getting into into video games, and it's it's refreshing to see you guys um, actually study the intended audience, yeah. right? Because yeah. so often focus studies are on, like you said, uh, like these general these tests, population. general tests, yeah. yeah. And now you're starting to look at well, actually applying it onto that area. Um, have you guys considered? Actually, like a, because I know you mentioned that it's it's they were video game players of what what they enjoyed, but have you guys started looking at the growing field of like esports? I guess you call them athletes. Yeah, esports you looked at, athletes. Have you looked at just studying that uh, population yet? So the the specific population in our studies are subjects who play five or more hours of video games per week for the last six months. That's a decent so, amount. <laughs> yeah, that's a decent amount. Um, they could play a lot more, Yeah, definitely. But five hours a week, I mean, yeah. that's about as much as you would say like a trained person for, for um, sports nutrition, nutrition right. would be, right? right. Like yeah. 
when people in the gym yeah. for five hours a week, that's a significant amount. So yeah. I, when we look at uh, sports nutrition studies, I, the, the first thing we always look for is like, what's the population it was actually studied in? Right. That's a huge criticism of a lot of ingredients is you can get great nitric oxide boosting in untrained individuals. Mm -hmm. And so if you told me someone worked out five hours a week, I'd say that's a lot. So I'm, I don't know how long most people are playing video games a week, but I feel like five hours is a pretty considerable amount. Yeah, it's not someone who's just dabbling in it a little bit, you know? Yeah. It's a more serious person. Um, so for the video game market, uh, stimulants are very popular. Like, mm. the, you know, Mountain Dew obviously yeah. has long time been like very closely linked to that community. Was there any component of the study that looked at stimulant usage? Um, because that might have some sort of effect alongside new level, right? That's true. We haven't studied it with caffeine or stimulants specifically, and they work through different pathways. So yeah. caffeine is a stimulant in a certain way, and new level and nitrosogene work in a different pathway. So I think they work really well together because yeah. they're targeting you know, energy and focus, but from different ways. So I think they can be really synergistic, and yeah. a lot of people combine them in products. In sports nutrition, there's this long... I, I don't think it's really proven by anything. I consider it a myth, but a worry of caffeine as a stimulant alongside pump agents mm -hmm. because of the initial vasoconstriction you see with caffeine. Mm -hmm. um, and it's almost a fun question to ask because New Level is looking at cerebral blood flow. Yeah. If that vasoconstriction could have some sort of uh, problem there. But I mean, uh, every single New Level product I think that we've seen is pretty much always paired alongside caffeine. Yeah. And we always see this, this you know, the, the great results from that. So I don't, I haven't anecdotally felt there's been any problem, but it's, it is an interesting yeah, concept. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I know that there's a vasodilation effect with new level and nitrosogene. Yes. So maybe it's, yeah, that's it's It really could be counter. Yeah. I, would, I would bet that it counteracts it because I don't, I don't find that caffeine has a significant vasoconstriction. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and something like nitrosogene, that's a, a equivalent to six grams of citrulline, it's a pretty strong vasodilation effect. Yeah, it does. In the Arkansas study, it was compared to eight grams of citrulline malate. It right. had, you know, the same, if not slightly better effect on vasodilation with a single dose. So, pivoting from new level, it's been, I mean, obviously a big push for you guys. Is there anything else that you currently or recently have been studying that you guys are focusing on? Yeah, so we just finished a study with Velocitol. Okay. So Velocitols are um, ingredient that we pair with protein, all different types of protein, uh, that boosts the power of protein on muscle protein synthesis. Mm -hmm. And we had done um, a clinical study that looked at if you add two grams of Velocitol to protein, right. it doubles the amount of muscle protein synthesis, but we hadn't done any research on the actual outcomes. So like, how is that going to affect you yeah. when you're working out? And so we ran a clinical study looking at over the course of two months with individuals who took either 15 grams of whey protein alone, 30 grams alone, or 15 grams plus two mm -hmm. grams of Velocitol. And they were all exercising, they were all getting protein, but when you added the Velocitol, it significantly increased muscle strength, muscle power, and muscle endurance. Right. More so than the 30 gram group alone. So right. More so than just doubling your protein, which is pretty amazing. You it's know? pretty significant. Yeah. I've all, I've often made this joke. I think people that watch my videos, they, I think I think it's funny. In the history of sports supplements, I can't think of any other ingredient that told you you could use less of another ingredient. Yeah. You know, That's true, and no, yeah. it's funny because no one's come out with um, 
you know, a six, I think six grams of whey was the original dosage. Yes, the original. And 15, then in this one, it's yeah. 15. Mm -hmm. No one's doing this. I think it's so yeah. funny. Yeah. It does work with higher doses as well. You know, we've yeah. done some preclinical work with much higher doses, and it always significantly increases muscle protein synthesis. Doesn't always double it, but it definitely right. significantly increases That's a big it. claim is the double of muscle protein synthesis, yeah. right? It's, it's yeah. effective. Do you guys have any data? I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you might be preclinical looking at it, but uh, Velocitol alongside amino acids? Yep. Because that's a I mean, it's a huge category right now. Yeah, so we measured it with branched-chain amino acids. We measured it with pea protein, soy protein. So we really, we think it comes down to the amount of essential amino acids that are in your product. So okay. if you have a certain amount of essential amino acids, the Velocitol will work with it. So I have to clarify for people who are watching because they're going to ask, BCAs are technically essential amino acids. They're part of the They're nine. part of the essentials, but not all of them. But you, So you're really looking at the full the essential full amino acids. full essential acid. amino acids, yeah. So we just had a brand that came out with um, a Velostol alongside their blend of essential amino acids, which is really promising. The data that you're talking about, I assume that that's preclinical, that's not published. That is preclinical, but published. Okay, cool. Yeah. We'll have to look that up and include that because it's, 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 it's changing the whole landscape of products that are already popular. Yeah. Proteins, yeah. amino acids, uh, and, and proteins both weighs soys and plants, like you said. Right. So it could change a lot of the way that the industry looks, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, and it'll be curious, especially because I'm sure whatever blend of essential amino acids that you used, every brand uses a slightly different blend. Yeah. Um, there's no, exactly. in terms of essential amino acids, I mean, it's nine ingredients, yeah. right? It's not like branch chains where they look at the ratio of three, three. ingredients. We're talking about nine now. So that's, it varies so much. So it should be interesting to see your data on those dosages versus what's used out there. Yeah, I mean, the reason we ran a preclinical study with all these different types of protein was to show that it does work across mm -hmm. the board. As long as you have a certain um, grams worth of essential amino acids in your product, and I think it's uh, 2.6 grams for the lower dose claims, and I forget the higher dose for the higher dose claims. Okay. But um, it's really the mechanism of how it's working. So. Right. Proteins, you know, amino acids, when they break down and get absorbed into the blood, you really want to move them from the blood into your muscle cells right. to fuel muscle protein synthesis. Mm -hmm. And Velocitol works by, it has a chromium, two chromiums in it, and amylopectin. Right. The amylopectin makes your insulin go up a little bit, it's a starch, and the chromium is an insulin sensitizer. So it binds to the muscle cells and helps the insulin attach. And the insulin's job is to pull the amino acids from the blood into the muscle cells. Right. And so it's really fueling muscle protein synthesis. And it's going to do that regardless of what type of amino acid are there. Of course, right. the type is important. You know, it'll have an effect as well. But Velocitol will work with all the different types. So talking about the, the performance claims, because that's yeah. what's really exciting for me as a strength athlete, the yeah. performance claims of Velocitol are interesting because Velocitol is often paired with proteins, obviously, and that's normally a post-workout event. Mm -hmm. But now you're talking about performance claims, which would um, assume that you're using it before you train. Are these benefits acute? 
or is this like over time that you're really looking at? It's over time. I mean, the muscle protein synthesis we saw within a single dose. Right. So Absolutely. that is acute, but um, the outcomes we saw over two months. Okay. So it's definitely over time, and you could take the protein powder before, during, or after workout, and it'll still have an effect. I think I remember reading about like early protein adaption, like adaption, like you're really yes. adapting better because you're whatever whatever the pathways is, you're recovering better from yeah. that, that stimulus. You're, I think people don't really think about the fact that training is, it's a stressor to the body. Yeah, you're actually, there's micro tears in your muscles that you're causing, yeah. right? You're breaking down the muscle to build it back stronger. Right. But to build it back stronger, you need to have the right tool. You have to have the right elements there, the amino acids to yeah. do that. Well, it, it, the, the big discussion it's quite often about BCAs versus EAAs when we talk about aminos because yeah. there's there's been so much data towards BCAs and then now recently it's been EAAs. And the analogy that I always use is that like BCAs are basically like your construction workers clocking in for work, mm. but the other six are like the brick and mortar that you mm. might build with, right? You can send people to the work site, and there's of course data for and against this analogy, but it's a kind of an easy idea for a lot of people to understand that mm -hmm. aren't normally reading data. Yeah. And so Velocitol is, is kind of basically helping that work process. It's, it's making it more efficient. Yeah, it's making it more efficient. That's exactly right. I think if you're taking protein, it's definitely a good idea to take Velocitol. It's going to yeah. make your protein more efficient. You're going to be increasing muscle protein synthesis and you're going to increase the outcomes that you're cool. getting with your strength, with your power. We actually increased jump height as well versus placebo which is so wild like well, it's making, yeah yeah you know it's I, I, I it's funny because like it's wild yeah. it is wild but at the same time when you're looking at the process it's almost kind of like we should have expected this because you're creating a, for you know really dumbing it down you're creating a problem and you have to fix it and Velocitol is helping you fix it faster yeah, right better, so yeah. the jump plate is actually kind of crazy because I, I am I understand the power and the strength because yeah. you're adding more muscle, right? Which could help you move weight better, mm -hmm. right? But jump height is often a skill, right? Which yeah. it's interesting. I think of it more as like efficiency. Yeah. How are you using the muscle that you have? Is it becoming efficient to what you want to do? Right. Yeah. So I don't know if you can if you can give us any hints, but in terms of data that's now being looked at, is there anything that you're now looking at across the board for all of your ingredients? What, yeah. what are you guys interested in currently? Yeah, one of our newest things that we're looking at is Chromax. Okay. So that's one of our oldest ingredients, sure. chromium picolinate, really well-absorbed form of chromium, um, helps with blood glucose, with uh, body composition, all those things. But it hasn't been studied too much in a healthy normal population. Yeah. So we're running a, a new healthy normal population, specifically looking at glucose disposal agents. So more for yeah. exercise. Um, so that's really exciting because Promax has tons of data, but a lot of it's in disease populations, and this will be, yeah. you know, much more applicable to a wider population. I think that's really important. Yeah. Uh, so we talk about Chromax rather often. It's a very affordable ingredient mm -hmm. um, that's in a lot of GDAs, which uh, obviously it's, it's a great application. But so often when we talk about the, the, the data, we have to mention as well that a lot of the con the data is in insulin uh, non insulin sensitive groups, right? Like right. Either diabetics or people who are insulin pre resistant, pre-diabetes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's it's important whenever we talk about data to make sure that the context is there. Definitely. Because we don't want your regulatory department calling us. <laughs> but at the same time, it's it, 
as in, ter in terms of metabolic uh, deficiencies go in America, we yeah. know that that's really what a lot of the problems are for people. It's just yeah. metabolic damage and, and because of our the American diet and whatever. Yeah. So it's it's awesome to see uh, in terms of sports nutrition actually seeing it in, in maybe not trained individuals but healthy individuals, yeah. which is yeah. important. Um, has this has that been done before, Chromax on in a healthy population? It's mostly been in. It has. Um, there's a few studies in healthy populations, but they're smaller and they're older. Okay. So this will be a nice, you know, revamping of that ingredient. Fresh. Yeah. Know, fresh look at it. Definitely. Yeah. I think over the last year, we've all been talking a lot about like the obesity problems in America. So, and obviously, we've talked about a lot about insulin for athletes today. Yeah. But it's also true. a huge hormone in that case as well. Definitely. Awesome. Well, it's it's been a fun 20 minutes. Yeah. I appreciate your time. Uh, we're going to get back to supply side. And uh, you're not really selling anything, but you're helping people out at the booth. Yeah. So um, if you are coming by supply side, uh, or I, this, these videos are usually viewed before supply side because people are looking for it. But yeah. anytime you come by Nutrition 21, look out for Sarah. Thank you so much. Thank you.